0: Uh, good morning my name is roger lewis and uh, i'll be speaking about that passage we've just heard so it would be good uh, if you had it in your bible in front of you or on the screen uh, we can follow on so james chapter 5 beginning at verse 7. but let me begin with a word of prayer dear heavenly father may we be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer Amen. Well, uh, the theme is the first words you see there and they're here on the bulletin to remind you, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient. Uh, This is what James says. It's an instruction, a command, an imperative. Be patient. Uh, But why should we be patient? Well, uh, let me start with a non-reason. If you've been uh, following the series on the book of James, you will know that James is full of practical advice such as this. But these instructions, this advice, are not put there as the way to God. The book of James is addressed to those who are already Christians, not to those who are not yet Christians. And specifically, you won't become a Christian by being patient. It's not the pathway to God. James is not saying, if you are patient, then God will take you into his family. Rather, James is saying, if you are already part of God's family, act like it. Well, it's very clear that the teaching is directed to those who are already part of God's family because if you just look at the next words, be patient, brothers and sisters. So James is writing to his brothers and sisters in the family of God. James has a heavenly father. The people he's writing to have the same heavenly father. So they're all siblings, they're all brothers and sisters in God's family. And this phrase, brothers and sisters, appears repeatedly. You might have heard it as Paul was reading out again and again, four times in the passage, James uses this uh, phrase, brothers and sisters. It's in verse seven here, verse nine, verse 10, verse 12. So James is not giving general advice but specific advice to his spiritual brothers and sisters, uh, instructions to the members of the household of faith. So if you're sitting here today and you don't belong to the family of God, you might think, this teaching is not for me, and you'd be 100% right. Uh, James is not talking to the general public, he's talking specifically to God's uh, own family. And if you've run away from God's family which is really your spiritual home. If you've turned your back on God, your Heavenly Father, if you've run away, perhaps to join the circus, uh, or run away, ended up in a pig pen, you're far from home, wasted days, wasted years away from God. You can turn around any time. You can turn around today. It's what the Bible calls repentance. Uh, You can trust in Jesus today. That's what the Bible calls belief. You can join God's family or rejoin God's family Today, Anyone, everyone can be in the family of God. Um, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. <laughs> okay, uh, Anyone, everyone can be in the family of God. It's by accepting and trusting Jesus God's one and only son. I mean, even a child can understand it. So just to sum up James is not saying to someone far from God, be patient, uh, this is the way back to God. James is talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ, saying, wait patiently till the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Well, so we might ask again the question I put, why, why should we be patient? Well, one reason is that some things take time. If we read on there in verse 7, it says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. So something like growing a crop takes time. You cannot harvest a freshly planted seed. And taking the seed uh, out again to look at it doesn't help. Growth takes time. Uh, The farmer has to wait. And here in the place where James was, there were two sets of rain in the year, typically. The autumn rain after the long dry summer, the so-called early rains uh, when the fields could be worked, uh, the seed could be sown and germinated around October in that climate. Wait for spring, wait for the change of seasons, for the later rains to, uh, to ripen the grain, uh, prepare it for the harvest, typically around May. James says we should be patient, as a farmer is patient, to let things run their course, Uh, To let the crop come to maturity. Well, there's a second reason James says we should be patient. It's in the next verse, in verse 8. And it's almost the opposite reason, you might think. You two should be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Uh, James says be patient because there's not long to wait. You've been waiting patiently. The Lord's coming is near. The harvest is It will soon be here. It will soon be time to gather in the grain. The Lord uh, is waiting here. Jesus, we say in the creed, is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is now. But from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And he is coming soon. He's coming soon. In the next verse, in verse 9, we read, The judge is standing at the door. He's on the threshold Uh, We should be patient because there is not long to go. Are we there yet? Not quite, but almost. Jesus is standing at the door at the threshold. And when Jesus returns, all things will be made new. But we are not there yet. And while all things are still not made new, there are lots of things in the world that are not right. There are lots of uh, causes for pain and for suffering. And we and those around us suffer in many ways. And it's easy for us to turn our dissatisfaction with life against others, uh, and especially perhaps family members, our brothers and sisters, even though they're not the cause of our our suffering. Jesus counsels against this in verse 9, as you see, do not grumble, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. The farmer should not complain to his wife if the rains are late in coming. It's not her fault. Don't grumble against one another. Don't complain. Wait patiently and graciously. Now in the next verse, in verse 10, to strengthen the call to patience further, James cites the example of some of God's people who came before us, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, sometimes we're impatient. We're not really suffering. We're just, you know, waiting at the queue at the uh, shops, and it's a bit long. It's not. We can't really call that suffering. Other times we are suffering. We might be in pain, and at the um, at the emergency department, in real physical pain, waiting, um, waiting to uh, have our turn, and we have to be patient through suffering. Uh, so we're to be patient in all circumstances, not just through easy, easy circumstances, if I could say, but difficult circumstances. In the face of suffering, we're to have patient endurance, endurance when things are tough. And in this, we'll join the goodly fellowship of the prophets who displayed this sort of patience, this endurance and perseverance in the face of suffering. And something that uh, James might have had in mind of the prophet Jeremiah who is known as the Suffering Prophet. And why was he called the Suffering Prophet? Well, here are some of the things that happened to Jeremiah. He was rejected by his own people. He was falsely accused. Uh, He was schemed against. He was threatened with death. He was beaten up. He was put in stocks. He was put in prison. He was put in a muddy cistern. Yet, Jeremiah endured all this, endured all this, and it is counted as a blessing uh, as a result. As in verse 11, the next verse we see, we count as blessed those who have persevered, those like Jeremiah and the other prophets who suffered and persevered. And verse 11 goes on to mention Job's perseverance. Job endured, uh, endured a lot, and in the end you see, uh, finally, uh, you see what the Lord brought about. He was vindicated. So we have the example of Jeremiah and the other prophets. We have the example of Job. But finally, we have the example of God himself. Look at the end of uh, verse 11. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God himself is patient. Now, God might not have been patient. You might think of some of the so-called gods uh, of other places that uh, as soon as something goes wrong, a flash of lightning, they destroy uh, the person, the sinner. God is not like that. God is patient with us and gives us time to repent. He waits for us. He's full of compassion and mercy. God is rich in grace, full of kindness, always ready to forgive. Uh, These words are sometimes translated this way. God is exceedingly compassionate and merciful. Or God is merciful and full of understanding pity for us. God is deeply compassionate and kindly god is full of tenderness and mercy and peter writes the lord is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance so this is the final and the crowning reason why we should be patient we should reflect the family likeness just as our heavenly father is patient So we, as members of his family, should also be patient. Brothers and sisters, says James, members of God's family, be patient. Now, let me, as an aside, make an observation about the use of the word Lord in this passage. You'll see it at the end of verse 11 there. It says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, the same word, Lord, Uh, appears five times in verses 7, 8, 10, and 11, twice in verse 11, uh, the one we're looking at. And this uh, last sentence in verse 11, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, is a direct quote from the Old Testament. It's directly from Psalm 103, verse 8. And there, in Psalm 103, verse 8, written hundreds of years before Jesus was around, uh, it's referring directly to the God of Israel, Uh, is sometimes known by the divine name which we represent as Yahweh or or Jehovah. That's the Lord that's spoken of here in that direct, uh, direct reference from Psalm 103. And then talking about Job's perseverance and what the Lord finally brought about, that's referring to the same Lord, the Lord of the Old Testament we might say, Yahweh. Here are some verses from the end of the book of Job, from Job chapter 42. The Lord accepted Job's prayer. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job. The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. So this Lord who brought finally about um, the vindication of Job is Yahweh, the Lord of the Old Testament, who's spoken about in Job 38 in these terms. This is the Lord who answered Job out of the whirlwind, the Lord who laid the foundations of the earth. So this is God the Creator, it's being referred to here in verse 11 of James. But if we step back to verse 10, you'll see there the mention in verse 10 of those who spoke in the name of the Lord, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And that little formula, spoke in the name of the Lord, is something that occurs in many places in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 18, 1 Chronicles 21, 2 Chronicles 33, Jeremiah 26. It refers to this same, the Creator God, the God of Israel. And if we go back now to verse 8, and again in verse 7, there, the Lord's coming is near, that refers clearly to Jesus. And in verse 7, talking about the coming of the Lord to Jesus. So there's no doubt here, and just an aside I want to make about this passage, is that James is saying Jesus, he's drawing the direct connection between Jesus and the Lord God. And so there's no doubt here that James is seeing Jesus as God. Well, if we jump ahead to verse 12, this is the final verse in this section. It's a a little standing on its own. It's a verse about uh, oaths or about um, swearing. And the passage here is very similar to the words of Jesus uh, on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And uh, Jesus says similar words again, almost identical to the words we read here uh, in Matthew 23. So the instruction here from James or from Jesus, if you like, Um, are not to say Christians are forbidden to swear uh, or forbidden from making, say, a legal oath in court or um, signing an affidavit. Uh, Rather, these are to prohibit a Christian making a rash oath uh, such as Jephthah did, which you might know had some bad consequences, or as uh, King Herod did, making a rash oath without thinking it through or taking the name of the Lord in vain as the third commandment prohibits. So Christians should not make those sort of oaths. But it's not pre- preventing a Christian from making uh, a legal or technical oath. It's pointing to the fact that a Christian should speak the truth at all times. It shouldn't just be under a specific time when they are under oath. A, a Christian's speech should always be reliable and trustworthy. There should be no need to signal uh, when the truth is being told by means of an oath. Well, uh, let me sum up this passage. James calls on his brothers and sisters in the Lord to be patient. And why? Well, not to work our way into God's family by what we do. No, that's not the reason. We should be patient like a farmer, because some things take time. We should be patient like a lookout, knowing the return of the Lord Jesus is near. We should be patient like the prophets and like Job, patient even in suffering. And we should be patient like our Heavenly Father, who is full of compassion and mercy. Well, it's been a perhaps long sermon, so thank you for your patience. Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. By your Spirit, help us endure through sufferings. This we ask in the name of your Son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.